Welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is Terminology, Diegetic versus Non-Diegetic, written by Emmy Allen and originally published in September of 2019 on her blog Cave Girls Game Stuff at cavegirlgames.blogspot.com. Terminology, Diegetic versus Non-Diegetic. In this post, I'm going to clarify and explain some terminology I use when discussing RPGs. It's going to be wordy and pedantic. It's also getting posted up because I made a quick post on Twitter, people got the wrong end of the stick, and now I want to explain what I mean in more than 240 characters. So, diegesis. First, I'm going to give a definition of the term as it's used in film studies, which is where I'm stealing it from. Diegetic. Adjective. Actually taking place or existing in the fictional world depicted. Non-diegetic. Adjective. Not actually taking place or existing in the fictional world depicted. An external thing to the fictional world depicted that the audience perceives. Diegesis. Noun. Has some academic stuff attached to it, but I generally see it used to mean the concept of things being diegetic, or sometimes the fictional world that diegetic things take place in. So, for example, a scene's musical soundtrack is non-diegetic. John Williams wrote some music, an orchestra played it, and now that music is being played to the audience at the same time as we watch the scene. However, music coming from the world is diegetic. A good example of this is when we see characters actually singing or playing instruments. Jessica Rabbit singing Why Don't You Do Right in Who Framed Roger Rabbit is diegetic. In the fictional world, she's literally singing that, whilst The Doors playing at the beginning of Apocalypse Now isn't. It's soundtrack added for the audience. Other stuff in films that's non-diegetic includes the credits, subtitles, voiceovers, slow motion, all that stuff. You can apply this to other mediums, too. In comics, the white boxes around panels are non-diegetic. The world doesn't exist enclosed in a little white square. In video games, your minimap, control scheme, etc. are all non-diegetic. They're contrivances to make the game work, not real things that exist in the fictional world depicted. With me so far? As an aside, while this is technically academic language, I've seen it used plenty outside academia. I studied theoretical physics at university, until I ran out of money for tuition and got kicked out, so I never had any formal academic interaction with the terms. I picked them up from watching film and anime reviews on YouTube. Anybody who pays much attention to film criticism and analysis has probably come across the terms. Anyway, this is an RPG blog, and I'm here to talk about RPGs. So, diegesis in RPGs. One thing I find attracts me to various games, notably Powered by the Apocalypse and OSR games, is that you first interact with things using the fictional action of your PC to affect the fictional world. You treat the world as a real, consistent place, and the GM adjudicates what happens based off that. I find it useful to talk about things that exist in the fictional setting versus things that only exist for the players. So it's useful for me to steal terminology from film studies and talk about diegetic and non-diegetic elements of games. 
Diegetic things are things which exist or happen or are observable in the fictional world, while non-diegetic things only exist to the players on an out-of-character level. Here are some things that are diegetic in RPGs. A player character's equipment, a character's height, weight, eye color, etc. Alignments, probably. If you can cast Detect Evil to know that the monster over there is objectively evil, then alignments are concrete forces in the game world, and your paladin being lawful good is a diegetic fact. A wizard's spell slots in D&D. A wizard can meaningfully talk about, I have two spells left today, and they are sleep and spider climb, without breaking the fourth wall. Blood points in Vampire the Masquerade. It's an observable and generally understood fact of the setting that you need to drink about a pint of blood each night to make up for the blood used to wake up, and if you don't, you'll start starving. Likewise, that using your powers probably needs about a pint of blood. Getting turned on in Monster Hearts. While it's expressed through a slightly simplified game mechanic, it is a fact of the setting that a player character has experienced a stirring of erotic or romantic desire. Their response to this varies and might involve more game mechanics, but the state of being turned on is a real thing in the fictional world. That some player characters are stronger than other player characters. Gronk the fighter can lift heavier weights, hit harder, break down doors better, arm wrestle better, etc. than Elizabeth the wizard. Being injured. The victim has, in the fictional world, been hurt and might be bleeding, have broken bones, etc. Here are some things that are non-diegetic in RPGs. Dice rolls. Numerical measures of things like hit points, attributes, etc. Those are abstractions being used to quantify a more complex fictional thing for the purpose of gameplay. Experience points, inspiration, bennies, etc. that give the player a resource to use on a meta level that doesn't represent anything in the world. Lines and veils over what content and themes will make it into the game. Mechanics that allow a player to introduce content to the game, such as Stars Without Numbers Connect skill, which gives a player character a chance to know an NPC they just met from before the game began, letting the player define what their relationship is like. There's a lot of collaborative world-building techniques and mechanics out there that do similar things. Mechanics such as Fate Points. References to other media. A lot of old paranoia adventures had PCs whose names were puns, took the piss out of other RPGs, and so on. These jokes are on a meta level, for the players. A paranoia called Hamburger ELLR was not named by friend computer to be a reference to old McDonald's adverts, and nobody in the setting will get that reference. Metaphors and themes of the game. For example, I'm in a V5 game where we're explicitly exploring ideas around power, control, and moral judgment. These things are going to come up and be relevant. Our PCs, however, aren't aware that they're being used to discuss these themes. They're just people. Character theme songs and other inspiration. To clarify, this is not the same as the distinction between fluff and crunch also expressed as flavor versus mechanics, lore versus rules, etc. To repeat, the distinction between diegetic content and non-diegetic content is not the same 
as the distinction between flavor and mechanics. Why is this? Something can be a game mechanic and also diegetic. See, blood points are a real thing in Vampire the Masquerade, and so spend a point of blood to rise each night is just what happens in the fiction. Something could also be non-mechanical and not diegetic. For example, Changeling the Dreaming explores themes around loss of innocence, growing old, dementia, etc. is not a mechanic, but not a diegetic fact. Neither is, this game will not include rape or sexual assault or any mention of those. So why am I explaining this? I think it's useful to be able to discuss if a game element is diegetic or not when discussing game design, and I've not really seen useful terminology for. Mostly, these discussions use the terminology for fluff versus crunch, which leads to active confusion. This area of gameplay and game design is one where even subtle distinctions in phrasing can dramatically alter meaning. I think it's useful to have a precise term that means this thing and only this thing, with no room for confusion or other common usages. If you start thinking about things in terms of diegesis, you get the tools to explain and explore stuff nicely that you wouldn't otherwise. For example, are the powers a D&D 4th edition player character has diegetic or not? Do the different weapon strikes, moves, spells, and so on represent distinct techniques a PC has been taught? Can a 4th edition fighter talk about the different techniques they use, or are they a non-diegetic abstraction that simplifies the chaos of combat into manageable gameplay? Or is it somewhere between the two? Similarly, D&D 4th Edition uses its bloodied mechanic to make a previously non-diegetic mechanic, losing hit points, and make it somewhat more diegetic. It's an in-fiction fact that when half a monster's hit points are gone, it's got visible injuries, blood everywhere, etc. It allows you to discuss a non-diegetic thing, how many hit points a monster has lost, in diegetic terms. Is the monster bloodied yet? Is the symbolism in a game diegetic or not? As an audience, we know that a vampire feeding is a bit rapey. Could a Toreador poet draw on that symbolism in their poetry, describing feeding using rape as a metaphor, etc.? Can lines and veils be made diegetic? For example, there's a difference between this is a game where you won't encounter sexism and this setting is completely gender-blind and no society sees any differentiation between the genders, sexism is a meaningless concept in this setting. Can game mechanics be made diegetic? What happens if you take the idea of a class in D&D and make it an obvious measurable thing? so that you can cast Detect Barbarian and tell if a PC is a barbarian, just like you can cast Detect Evil to tell if they're evil. This is something that I deal with a lot, because a lot of my design goals center around the boundaries and blurry areas between diegetic and non-diegetic mechanics. Ways to make a mechanic more diegetic and ways to make non-diegetic mechanics at least parallel diegetic things for example, gold for XP is non-diegetic, but it parallels a PC's diegetic desire to get rich because being rich is nice. Likewise, most systems which reward XP for specific achievements. Discussion and design around, can we make this mechanic more diegetic, and can we represent this diegetic phenomenon with an elegant abstraction, are some of the areas I'm most interested in. 
As an example, whenever a wounded daughter resurrects, she's left robbed of some of her potential, a little more withdrawn, and a little more bitter and resentful. She's somehow lesser, and although she can grow past that, it's a serious and unpleasant thing, representing this by a debt of experience points that she won't benefit from expresses it in a neat, simple way. The XP is an abstraction for the more diegetic idea of the PC's rich inner life being eroded. These are all conversations we can be having already, but the use of the terminology allows us to be more precise and better understand what is being said. Lastly, is using academic terminology to discuss RPGs gatekeeping? I'm pretty sure it isn't. As I've said earlier, I have no academic background in this sort of thing, and picked the term up from YouTube. This isn't something I'm familiar with because I've got the privilege of a liberal arts education. I'm not even particularly posh or anything, I just watch too many YouTube videos. On top of this, I do think that tabletop RPGs are kind of lagging behind other media in terms of analysis. Even in terms of interactive media, there's far more discussion for video games and LARPs than there is for TTRPGs. We basically have the forge, and that's it. Treating the subject matter as something that you can discuss in depth with technical language isn't necessarily a bad thing. If I'm having a deep technical discussion with another RPG writer about this stuff, having the precise language to describe what I mean is useful. Hell, if somebody uses terms I don't recognize, I can just ask them to define it. The expectation that all discussion around a medium should be accessible to new players without much grounding in the discussion is unreasonable. It keeps the discussion at a shallow level. Some discussions are going to be in-depth and require a good understanding of the subject matter, and they're not going to be easy to grok until you've been in the field for a while. Expecting discussions to dumb down and avoid academic language so everybody knows what's going on will, in practice, just stifle more in-depth discussions. Anyway, there you go. Diegetic and non-diegetic as terms for RPGs. Now go forth and use them in conversation. It will make you sound clever and help explain your thoughts better. That was Terminology. Diegetic versus Non-Diegetic by Emmy Allen Read for you by Nick L.S. Whalen. Blogs on Tape is a project that works with bloggers to make our conversations more accessible. It's a communal effort which you can help by pointing me towards any posts that you feel are particularly deserving of having readings performed. Get in touch by email ls at paperspencils.com. And whether you're able to help or not, thank you very much for listening.